cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to episode 9. Uh, so today I'm joined by Oliver Yonchev, who is Managing Director of Social Chain in New York. For those who haven't heard of Social Chain, they are, in my opinion, they're like the Google of social media and one of the first real uh, social media agencies to really make their presence known. I've been an absolute fanboy for the last few years and in this episode, Ollie and I talk about tailoring content for different channels, the power of influencers, Netflix's fire documentary, how brands should be using social media creatively and loads more. So annoyingly, we had to lose the beginning of this conversation because the recording was corrupt. Hashtag don't use Skype. So we start by hearing how Ollie first met Steve Barlett, who is one of the founders of Social Chain. Steve, who founded Social Chain's TED Talk, which was how a 20-something, you know, knowing, set up a multi-million pound business knowing nothing about business. Quite an intriguing title. Um, I was blown away by the story. I started to venture. Uh, I ended up messaging Steve uh, just as a, there was no intent other than, hey, dude, really impressed by your story, inspiring work, keep it up. That's literally all I said. Um, anyway, he got back to me and said, we're growing, we're looking for people, can you come see us in Manchester? I went to meet them. It was a really hard decision for me. Uh, I loved the work that I was doing at Bauer. Um, the company were great to me. I'd been exposed to a lot. Career was going well. Uh, and then there's this startup in Manchester. And when I say startup, it wasn't such a startup per se, but there's probably about 60, 60 or so people in the business. Uh, it's grown quite a lot since then, but uh, it was definitely a risk to move. Uh, so I did the long commute living in Sheffield from Sheffield to Manchester uh, every day for two years at Social Chain. And that kind of took me to Social Chain after it, it took me about three months to actually set on moving across. Um, but yeah, I was, I was inspired by the story, the trajectory, um, the culture, the ethos, everything about the business. Uh, and then I joined the business uh, about two and a half years ago now. And that's been a hell of a ride since then. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds like an awesome journey. And um, there's definitely bits within that that I sort of like, I, I, would, I would love to talk about. Um, the Gary V, you mentioned Gary V. Is, is he someone that inspires you? I've been watching a lot of his content online as well. Yeah, you know what? I, I think Gary V is just the epitome of uh, a polarizing figure. Love him mm. or hate him. I think people that love him, like truly love him, people who hate him. Um, He's not for everyone. He, you know, it's the cliche that trying to be all things to all people, you're, you're all thing, you, you know, you're nothing to anyone. Uh, he just goes against. He kind of says a lot of the things because I, I genuinely think the marketing industry as a whole uh, doesn't always believe in marketing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of bullshit surrounded. I think we're in this age of complete data where. You know, there's so much available for us to understand people. I can predict my own future actions based on things that I do and my digital footprints. Yeah, I think we miss the really obvious stuff in trying to have all the pieces. I once saw a talk by Google, and I thought it was really interesting. And it talked about, um, it, it put a picture on the screen, and it was a dot to dot. And it kind of talked about, as marketers, we're always trying to have the perfect picture, where we know every 
point and we know everything about um, our users, their journeys, how they consume, how they behave. Um, but in reality, you know, you can have a few of the dots and you can make the picture. You don't need to know every dot. And it was a really sort of solid analogy to talk about how marketing, I was striving to understand more. Um, and we've got these two worlds. You've got the marketing industry and its traditional ad form. That is a, it's fundamentally a creative business. Um, and then you've got the world of big data. And, and you know, those two worlds are kind of clashing and informing each other. Um, so I think we're in a really interesting time for for marketeers. Um, and, and Gary V, I think, sits, he sits right in the middle of that where he's like, just no bullshit, just says mm. what he thinks. Um, I, I, I agree with, I think he has some really interesting ideas. I agree with 70, 80% of what he believes in. And 20, I don't, but like, that's healthy. That's normal. You shouldn't, you know, just agree with someone because, um, I think you should uh, agree with ideas. Um, mm. I think he's a great person. I was a great advocate for the industry. Um, he, he's definitely a leader. He says a lot of things. He's one of the first to, 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 to come out with, with conviction, some interesting topics. So yeah, big fan of Gary Vee. Mm. Yeah, man, I sort of get lost. In, uh, in, in watching videos, you know, YouTube's got that feature where you can watch one video and then it'll just automatically play the next. Um, so so you're at Social Chain and there's a part of the, the social group, which is Media Chain. Mm -hmm. And there's also something fairly new, which is called Cast Chain. Uh, can you tell us what the difference is between the three? Yeah, of course. Um, so when Social Chains first started, it was a, a business that was born out of social media, as true to the word as it could be. Um, and it was a collection of people that were creating social media assets and pages, which eventually turned into social publishers and media outlets. Um, but we're using the, those as a vehicle to connect brands with people. Um, and Social Chain were famed for doing interesting things, doing things differently. Um, and a lot of the stuff the business was found on was vanity, you know, big numbers, giant numbers, mm -hmm. making things trend. Um, and then over the course of the last three years, the industry's changed, the business has matured. Um, and around a year and a half ago, probably two years ago now, we made the distinction that actually having an agency, being social chain, having all these publishing, um, having all these publishing assets, um, if we're to truly serve our clients, um, we have to make the distinction between our owned media and our agency offering because if we're to serve, we should be agnostic in our platform choices, we should be agnostic in our media choices, we should be agnostic in our creative choices, and anything that sways that um, probably means we're not doing right by the people that we work with. So we made the distinction. Also, we actually, um, we not everybody needs a social media agency, being social chain, but people, anybody could want to access our media to talk about their services or to promote something or you know or create something and, and distribute it so we, we decided to create that distinction two years ago so media chain is uh the company that houses our 400 plus social media pages from the world of sport fashion lifestyle you name it things we have um those properties um, and then Social Chain is our social media marketing agency that does everything and anything in social media, from um, the insights through to forming strategies, 
through to executing uh, creative, running social media pages, um, acting on behalf of brands in terms of community management, running performance marketing through social, um, working with influencers at scale. So we do everything and everything. So social chain is the main marketing hub, media chains our entity that is our publishing house. Cash Chain is a new venture whereby we were getting a lot of requests to um, innovate. And as a business, you know, we, we see, we, we, we're consistently looking at media trends. And I've been a podcast listener for a long time. Um, and I know a lot of people are, and it's, it's, it's an area that's really interesting for advertisers and brands. Um, I think for brands specifically, it's really interesting because we're in this age of social media has created three second views and big numbers and lots and lots of impressions and everything's about scale. And really, I think what people are looking for today is depth and podcasting is one of those areas that creates depth. Like I listen to a Joe Rogan podcast and that's three hours of my time and I can dip in as and when I want it, you know. What other medium outside of film do you spend three hours of your time? So that's really rich media. Um, and I think there's good creative opportunity for brands. So that's what we did. We decided to, one, create cast chain to promote our own, to create podcasts for our own media brands. Um, but then also we wanted an outlet to do this, taking our learnings of, one, how to promote podcasts, because we create our own podcast being Social Minds the agency we have steve's podcast the diary of a ceo we have all our brand podcasts from gaming through to students and so on of media brands so we're really well versed in promoting it for ourselves so the next extension was to offer that for brands to create branded podcasts and where brands are chasing depth they've already achieved scale you know it's it's a really interesting space for us and it's very new it's very in its infancy and that's kind of the field that we love playing in the unknown mm. Uh, and I think creatively, it's a really exciting place to be. So that is cast chain, that is media chain. And we also have a, a service that we sort of will be segmented, all housed under the social chain group, but data chain. Um, and it's how, how do we now use what has always been, data has always been a big part of our business, um, being that we're sat on creating tens of thousands of viral videos. We get billions of impressions every single month, interactions. That's really valuable, rich data that tells us how people behave. So one, we need a vehicle for how do we use that data and how do we use that to turn it into actionable insight for the people that we work with. But also then, um, you know, social is such a fragmented landscape and we're, we're really building, um, we're starting to cross worlds between you know, AI, machine learning, you know, messengers, different platforms, you know, influencers, which is ultimately PR, people, celebrity, all these things are just kind of all uh, merging into one place. And it's a really difficult space for people to, it's very, very rich, but it's very difficult for people to understand and, and make sense of and, and make actionable. So we're going to be launching a service called Data Chain soon, which again, uh, is something that's really exciting for us. That's crazy. It's crazy to to hear how quick things have expanded over the last what three years? Not even that. Two and a half years, maybe. Yeah. It's just it just seems to have blown up. But then I, I guess so, social media has also blown up, isn't it? It seems like the whole industry is has blew up. Like where technology has met social, it's just collided, and it, it's just given everyone a platform. 
and I, I love what you guys have been doing with sport as well. It's a, it's another channel that I've been following for a while. And one thing I like about it is the way that you sort of tailor content across different channels to appeal to different audiences. I, you know, you just see it in the, in the artwork to the th- on the thumbnails to, uh, you know, an Instagram post to maybe something that uh, would be on Snapchat. It, it, it's great to see that. Yeah, how you guys are treating content differently across different channels. I, th- I think that's awesome. The podcast stuff as well, that, that's great. I mean, I heard, I think it might have even been Steve who said uh, by 2020, 50% of brands are going to be uh, doing podcasts, which which is nuts to think. Like if you, if you take some of the traditional brands, can you see them, you know, using podcasts to benefit their organization? And not necessarily now, but I, I definitely think in the future you would be. Yeah, I, I think just that, well, there's two forms. I, I think, you know, it's a bold claim to say that 50% of all brands will have some representation in podcasting, but I think it's something we firmly believe in. I think it'll be in the form of brands will do traditional audio advertising and they will have placements within podcasts because the podcast landscape is you know increasing and there's more bandwidth and more shows and there's greater shows like a you know a joe rogan podcast achieved more downloads you know in excess of 10 million aggregated views per episode that's that's you know my, that's like a top show in the u.s you know, more than a, you know, a flagship headline show. So it's incredible the, the, the pace of change. Um, I, I think the area that really excites us is, and this is where it's, it's going to be a land grab, I think. The brands that do it well don't try and over-curate. And actually, to your point about using the medium correctly, a lot of brands will do this wrong. They will create mm. a they will over-curate it, and they will try and sell things, or they will not make something that's, you know, value entertainment first. Um, and that's where they will lose because they're competing with value and entertainment first podcasts. When podcasting is split into, you know, you a lot of people go there to learn. A lot of people go there to just be entertained, to find current events. Um, and fiction's a big part. You know, crime's huge in, in podcasts. There's all these uh, uh, micro trends within. So I think when brands are trying to do, unless they look at it with that lens on, why are people listening to podcasts? If they try and serve their agenda first, they'll lose. Mm-hmm. So I see lots of people attempting or at least having some representation um, in the next sort of year and a half. I can definitely see it happening. I, I really can. I sometimes think because uh, <laughs> I work for quite a traditional organization. I work at the Met Office as a designer. But uh, I think it's hard for traditional organizations to to jump on the – uh, not the trend bandwagon, but uh, you know, to I, th- I think I've seen it in one of your, one of your videos where you were talking about the importance of cultural relevance, and you know, staying on track and making sure that you're you're sort of in the game. And I think, from my opinion, that's kind of one of the things that we struggle to do because it's such a traditional organisation with a lot of heritage, uh, and it's been going for years. It's hard to create more content or new content which appeals to a younger audience without alienating our older audience and the the guys that have stuck with us for the last hundred years and that's a sort of that's a challenge that i guess loads of brands are facing at the minute and you know what i don't even um to invest and, and this is another thing about 
businesses and even large businesses, it's not always the the, the financial investment that will be a barrier to um, people taking a leap and trying things. It's actually mm. usually just a headspace. You know, everybody's stretched in business. So for you to go, we're going to create a podcast requires a lot of headspace. It requires attention. It requires a lot of thought. Like, mm. is it that the thing that's going to move the needle for you? And if it isn't, it isn't the right thing to do. I think there's a lot of businesses that would hugely benefit, particularly ones that attain to either being informative or, you know, life lifestyle focus. Like, I don't know. I'll think something off the top of your head. Like, people love to learn about their heritage and history. Mm. Um, if Ancestry.com created a podcast that interviewed interesting people that and explored their history and just talk them through, that would be like quite an interesting podcast for a lot of people based on the guests that they would attain. So that would provide a lot of value to them as a business. You know, if you're in, I don't know, you work in logistics and your job is to get products from A to B, and I'm sure there will be a, a place for that podcast, but, you know, how much time and bandwidth can you put into that when probably showing up at a trade show speaking to people about, you know, whatever it is you do is probably going to be more effective. Mm. So, like, it's always a trade-off. I don't actually think – I don't always think innovation is always the key to all businesses, but for the, for the right type of businesses. What I do have issue with is, is businesses that should move but hesitate because they're big, they have process, and mm. that's where opportunity – and that's, that's opportunity that businesses like Social Chain have capitalized on. The reason that I can sit in as a vastly underqualified marketeer to sit in front of, you know, CMOs across the world of global brands and tell them everything they're doing is wrong. The reason I can do that is simply because we're in this new changing landscape. It's not because I'm qualified to do so. It's my opinion. Um, but they'll actually stand up and listen because we, we're in this quite unique, unique time in history where... Um, the historic guard of people that have power and influence and make decisions generally probably feel quite out of touch. Mm. They don't understand. Like one of our questions we get asked a lot is that is our hiring post, and we hire a lot of young people. Um, but if I was to say to you, who's the foremost authority on TikTok right now in the world? It's probably a 16 year old that's been using it for four years. Like mm. that's the person that we're going to turn to. Um, us, if, if, if you asked us who's our, you know, our, our CFO, it's someone with experience and it's just fit for purpose of the landscape that we're in. So we, um, I, I think it's just a really interesting time and there's opportunity wherever there's interest change shift, um, there, there's always opportunity. Mm. I guess that's the that's the exciting thing about social media, isn't it? It's it's ever changing. One day it could be, you know, one thing, and then the next day, you know, you've got Instagram TV that popped out out of kind of nowhere, and everyone was like, "What what what do we do with Instagram TV? We've been what?" So now we get to create these longer formed stories on our channel, and yeah, it's interesting because you were you were at the BBC when you you were a researcher when you yeah. when you first started out. Yeah. So the the BBC they kind of deal with this issue by creating subbrands, don't they? They have like CBBS for children, uh, BBC Three for guys who are in their twenties, thirties, sort of thing. And I get, I guess that's one way of sort of getting around it. But yeah, they, the BBC their their remit is um, 
they're, they're driven by public policy. So they have to be representative to license players and, and cover a, a broad range of brands. Um, and, and actually, businesses like, I say I call them a business, but entities like the BBC, a lot of times do, because they don't have commercial motives, as in, in the vast majority of cases, their sole purpose in the, their actions and the things that they create and do is usually to entertain, to educate, all those kind of things, um, means they're really well placed to innovate. The problem is a lot of the decision makers and the bureaucracy in companies like that don't allow that innovation. So mm. they're really well placed to take advantage of this stuff and try stuff. But naturally, I understand the hesitations because the ramifications of the BBC trying something and getting it wrong are far different to a startup fashion company that can just try things and, you know, um, there is no reputational damage. There is no public outcry. They're not accountable to the taxpayer. You know, all these mm -hmm. things. I, I understand it. It's just um, something we have to navigate. It's a tricky time for them, isn't it? For the, I guess, for the BBC. Do you reckon they're sort of uh, a little bit worried as to how they're going to play things in the future? Because obviously with with Netflix now, I mean, to be honest, I, I'm 29 and I don't know whether this is just me being weird for my age, but when I come home now, I don't watch normal TV anymore. I'll put YouTube on mm -hmm. and I'll just, I'll just scroll through uh, subscriptions and watch uh, recommended videos and stuff and it's kind of like I'm, I'm sure bbc see this coming i have seen this coming and, and understand that i don't know do you think there'll always be a place for them in mainstream tv do you think mainstream tv will always be a thing uh, i just think it's techno like a vehicle to watch programming it's just better usually wins the reason netflix everyone has netflix is because i can watch just the vast variety of things i can watch can watch it when I want it, very cost efficiently, like seven, eight pound a month. Mm. Um, it's just better wins, and you can watch it on any device, anywhere I go. Um, and, and that's all I think it comes down to. I think the BBC as an entity is, the, is their remit. Um, they'll just they'll change. Maybe they're a scaled down version. I, I think TV will exist in digital formats. I think you've got a, a massively declining viewership on linear TV of people under 30, hugely declining, which is, you know, worrisome when a lot of media spend is, is still placed there. But um, I, I, think, I think TV advertising can be tremendously powerful as well when executed correctly. It's just at the minute, would you argue it's the, the best use of people's budgets when you mm -hmm. have, you know, the, the, someone asked me the question once, so what's the difference? It was actually my dad said, so... If I have a million pounds to spend on TV advertising and a million pounds to spend on social, like what's the difference? I mean, well, in essence, you're just putting something in front of people. And, and the big difference in TV is like it probably costs about the same to reach a million people in social as it would to reach a million people on TV. But the big difference is, though, that on social, I could, I could do a hundred different pieces of copy, all relevant to the person that sees it. And it just be much more effective. I can track it with clear methodology. You know, I can optimize as I go along. Um, it's self-serving. Uh, all those things, and and that's just the difference. It just it just has uh, better wins, and that's where I think um, a lot of things a lot of things better will win. But there's still mm. a place for everything.
Um, I was just going to reference uh, the radio industry is a, re a real weird one because the radio industry in its current form, um, <clears throat> it's in it's in a difficult a difficult place. Um, but actually, audio as a medium, the radio industry is so well placed to capitalise on podcasting and audio, um, and it has been for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly it shifts and monitors when you've got commercial realities in the near term. Like if the vast majority of my business comes from one place, it's really hard, or the vast majority of my revenue comes from one place, it's really hard to invest the headspace, time, resource in order to pivot, especially in the bigger businesses. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how media will, will shift over the next couple of years. Yeah, I was, um, I follow, uh, a woman called Joanne, who is the the head of the Internet of Things at Amazon, and um, she is sort of her job is to sort of stay on top of that sort of stuff and user experience and and uh, she was talking about the the installations that car cars will have in say five years time, where it will strictly be well not strictly, but there'll be so much option available whether that be being able to check your bank account or whether that being able to just ring a friend just by the, you know, the press of a button just in that sort of, in that console space. But yeah, it's, it's crazy how things are changing. And going back to the Netflix thing that you were talking about, I think I might've seen something on the, it might've even been the Joe Rogan show where one of his guests was saying that Netflix is sort of not losing to YouTube, but YouTube seems to have a broader spectrum of opportunity and options for consumers just because there's you know you can go on youtube and you can find a video that's two minutes long or you can find a joe rogan podcast that's three hours long whereas netflix you tend to usually just sit down and watch a netflix episode traditionally you know when you get back from work and you sit down or maybe at the weekend whereas youtube it's got a broader spectrum of of content and it's more it can be long form or short form uh, and I wonder whether that's something that Netflix might pick up on in the future. Yeah, maybe. I, I think businesses that are laser focused and not try and be all things to all people, like Netflix's purpose is indulgent entertainment, documentaries, films, you know, series that you actually go for escapism. I'd probably mm. argue, or to learn. Um, YouTube can be just anything from how to's through to, and algorithmically, obviously, it sends you down some strange paths at times. Um, I just think it's just a different place. YouTube's done really well at maintaining in, in the days of Facebook watch, not really gaining traction, Instagram TV not gaining traction. Everyone's trying to recreate their space um, and haven't done. The, the probably major player that people probably in the ad world is, is again, the, the Bezos machine, the, uh, the idea that Amazon are just doing some interesting stuff. Their ad model's fascinating. They're currently running, you know, um, influencer programs, and we'll call it an influencer program, it's not such, it's essentially an extension of their affiliate program, whereby, you know, users who may have influence are incentivized and get rewards for talking about them and selling pro products. That's mm. the ultimate form of an influencer strategy is harnessing your own customer base and empowering them to promote you and doing that. Like, that's the perfect model. A lot mm. of huge businesses have been built on, on such things so amazon have that their ad products amazing the vast majority of commerce in the us goes through amazon 
you've got their you know their land grabbing areas in the real world uh, in terms of their acquisitions they're making this idea that they're infiltrating all our homes giving away like for 20 dollars last black friday 20 pound last black friday i bought everybody i knew like as gifts it was 20 pound for an alexa yeah i'm hot like it was just a good gift. Like most of them don't use it. My mum uses it for the weather or to play a bit of music every now and again. It's linked to my Amazon. But that that's something that really interests us of, of going, where do things like machine learning and voice merge? Mm. So AI, it's, it's an interesting area that I, I'm personally fascinated in. But you, you've just got this vision of the future whereby you wake up in the morning and at the minute you'll go, Alexa, tell me what time it is, tell me what the weather's like, what have I got coming up? But in the future, that's going to know, you know, based on all my behaviors, it's going to, Alexa's going to wake up and say, hey, Oliver, the traffic's bad today to work. You've got a meeting at nine o'clock. Catch the mm. train. Take a coat because it's going to rain at two o'clock. And actually, I've booked you a dinner with uh, your mom who you're meeting. Do you want me to order her some flowers because it's her birthday? Um, you know, it's going to be like telling you and just functioning, oh, you've run out of toilet paper. Let's pre-order that. Mm. You prefer this or this? Should we just do refill? Um, your shopping's due to arrive at 4 p.m. We've got a delivery from Hobo's. Like, it, that's just going to be the reality of frictionless world. And it's funny enough, since I moved to New York, I've got so lazy because there's so many technological innovations. And when I say technological innovations, I just mean service providers. There's something over here called Task Rabbit. Um, and if you need your ironing done, you just put out a task and people come to your house and we'll do your ironing. If you need a TV fitting on your wall, you put out a bid, like, I need a TV fitting on my wall. Like, people will go and you look at reviews and cough that they scope it out of what they think estimated time and an estimated cost you can set a budget and people in half an hour will come to you and do that task they've got oh things God. you know uh, I, I was at south by southwest and all over austin is these little uber scooters that are like litter everywhere and you just go on you just scan it in your uber and you just ride for like however many cents next to nothing just riding around on these 15 mile an hour scooters and you can drop them off pick them up anywhere um, it's absolutely fascinating it's crazy how confident you get very quickly on those things as well dangerously confident but they're all over the US so there's all these like technology it's kind of we're in this really interesting time and actually in America it's opened my eyes up to a lot of things kind of being a, a cultural hotspot like New York um, where a lot of innovation starts here. A lot of all these things that are here now will be things that hit London a year or two or are already in London and then will make its way to Manchester. Eventually, mm. Sheffield will get it. You know, it's like that's. It's crazy that the technology, how, how far it's come and how quickly it's advanced and um yeah it's definitely something i could talk about i was, I was thinking with someone a, fr a friend the other day we were talking about if you took the timeline of of the tv for example and you say okay when did black and white tv come out when did color tv come out and there's about 30 year difference and then you look at the iphone and then you're like right when did the first iphone come out and when did we start messing about with ai and augmented reality and virtual reality and all that stuff and there's you know 10 year difference and then you think of what's going to happen in five years' time. I was speaking to uh, a guy at Uber, creative director at Uber at Singapore the other day, and he was saying that Uber aren't focusing on driverless cars. They're focusing on flying cars, and they're calling it Uber Air. They've got a reiteration of that over here. They do helicopter services. I know. Oh, do they? They actually, in, in New York, you can get an Uber um, helicopter. <laughs> oh, my God. What's it? Is it did it land outside your front door? 
Um, I've, I'm not, uh, it's not in my budget to be flying Uber helicopters, so I don't actually know, but um, I think generally people will have a helipad somewhere and it'll take them to the Hamptons or some other affluent area. Um, but That's yeah, awesome. I only use it over here, so. I can yeah. imagine. That, might, that must be one of the requirements though. You must have helipad. You can see that being like a, a tick box in, in your form to submit, but. If I people sort of come around and putting fixtures on the walls and TVs and stuff, would you not get like homeless men turning up and just being like, oh, I'll do anything you want? The thing is, it's, it's, it's the idea that these are, um, they're all reviewed. And that's not a problem if, if, if you know, someone, that, I think it just creates an economy. Like, I think it's an amazing thing that someone with initiative could go, they're, they're practical, they've got skills and they can just create work. Um, there's all these micro economies being created. Uh, for and it just means that you've you, you've got so many more options today. I think it's amazing that someone who's unfortunate enough to be homeless has an opportunity to you know do something like that. Like they can. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, fair play to it, man. Absolutely, man. I've I've just realised I've got so many questions and I haven't even been asking you them. <laughs> We've just been on it. I've got to talk about influencers. Uh, did you watch the the fire documentary on Netflix? Since we've been talking about it. I have, yes, 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 yes. What do you reckon? Uh, you, you know what? Um, out of sheer entertainment value, it's an entertaining documentary. Yeah. Uh, not for the right reasons, but it's just entertaining. Um, I think what that's shone a light on is, um, as an industry, what what if if you just look at it? I, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. If you just look at it as purely a marketing ploy. What that documentary shows is influencer marketing is incredibly powerful. You can, you know, you can sell something that doesn't exist to the world. And, and that's what that shines a light on. But that then raises the questions around, and, and the industry has been changing rapidly around, what is the efficacy? What's the responsibility? I, I think we're in a stage now where people hate influencers because they've heard about them. I don't think they hate influencers as such. I mean, they hate just hearing about them. Um, you know, it seems to be the la the only thing the marketing industry has talked about for the last year and a half, two years. You know, so there's there's this bit, and actually, there's um, uh, from a consumer point of view, people probably don't necessarily not all, but some will will have the wrong view of influencers based on things like watching Fire Festival. Mm. But, you know, there's tons of talented, creative people that build a community around them because people like them and like what they do. Um, but yeah, things like Fire Festival shine a light on some of the challenges. Uh, and I think a lot of those challenges are being addressed now. The industry is more media budget shifts into the space. Um, it's definitely where the influencers are held to a higher accountability. There's more clear guidance on what they can and can't do. It's very black and white on how you should do influencer marketing now. So. Um, I think the businesses involved in it are maturing and as, as a business that's been doing influencer marketing in some capacity for almost four years, you know, we've made every mistake in the book, like we've done everything and anything. And as a result of that, we're really robust. We have really robust processes. Um, we have very robust creative approaches. We understand influencers place within, uh, you know, many media objectives or many marketing objectives. Um, so we have a really good understanding. But that's only through doing it and practicing for a long time. And that's actually how we led on to one of our probably most successful innovations as a business, which was Likewise. Um, mm -hmm. And Likewise, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen, but 
if you're familiar, was, was a piece of software that simply helps people understand if talent that they are working with are manipulating their engagement. Because that's engagement is the metric which determines an influencer's value today. Not really their follower size, but actually um, their follower size to a lot of businesses matters, but in reality it doesn't. So um, there's a lot of manipulation has gone on historically and, and we, we were alarmed by the, the state of that. We created a piece of software to help brands navigate that. And that was hugely successful. So that, and, and the response we got for that was phenomenal. So mm. the industry cares about it. Within three days of us launching that tool, on a post, on LinkedIn, we had over a 1,000 inquiries. Everyone from agents through to influencers themselves wanting to be validated through to the world's biggest brands. So like people care about this stuff. And I think the industry has taken the right steps. It's got a long way to go. Um, I think the digital industry went through in any industry in its infancy. You know, there was all the problems in SEO, you know, backlinking, programmatic scandals through um, inventory ad fraud that doesn't exist, selling ad spots that weren't ever viewed by people but viewed by bots. Every emerging mm -hmm. industry has gone through something similar. I just think there's just more of a focus on influencers right now. It's it's crazy, man, how much power they have over over the world and you you've got to think of well, I, I look at it as like there's a, there's a little bit of naivety there as well from the consumer to you know at the end of the day they they must know that these influencers are being these influencers are being given a lot of money to promote the brand and stuff but did you um you see the uh the, the instagram blip that happened about three weeks ago when all these influencers thought they had lost all their followers and they were going nuts i've seen some of the screenshots from some people that were like they were genuinely really really upset and that kind of put things into perspective for me and i kind of thought you know fair play if you've got a job lined up with a brand and you're promoting their product the next day and you needed all those followers to you know sell their product but if you're just genuinely sad because you've lost fifty thousand followers then you know that, that's kind of <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I think it, it comes down to you've got this, it's kind of this weird social currency. Have you watched Black Mirror, the episode whereby that's a scary view into the future? The, uh, is, that the one where she, is that the one where they have to, she has to have like five stars to get a Yeah. yeah she, she has uh, to get five stars to get a mortgage or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a scary uh, view into the world as it currently is now. Um, yeah, but social, it, it's look, the social media's caused has a lot of problems but it's all it's the, for me i've always said it's like the best and worst of humanity all rolled into one um and it's all new and it's the first time the world being connected in a way in such a way so easily at any one time it's, it's it's actually incredibly beneficial to the world but along with that people abuse it and um there are a lot of issues i think the the follower thing for a lot of people is vanity it's like nice to have a lot of followers it's that dopamine hit every time someone gets a like um, but I think where people probably would have been more concerned with the commercial impact. If I have 500,000 followers and I get to a million followers, in effect, my value doubles. I do want something. I reach more people and people pay more money. So, uh, but I think a lot of people who were cold were probably more bothered for the vanity, <laughs> mm. as you say. But um yeah, it, it's a weird one. Instagram being down the other day for about six, seven oh, hours yeah. in the world. Everyone went onto Twitter and uh, it was 
it was it was quite funny seeing that spectate. It was actually quite for for us as a business that operated in, um, it was it was refreshing and frustrating in the same sentence because we had like live work that was oh yeah yeah social that had to go out that day. Um, oh. so it impacted our business marginally, but um, yeah, outside of that, it's like crazy to think how much the world loses mm. when. When something like that's taken away, it's fascinating to see people's behaviours. It, it can be entertaining, but at the same time, yeah, if you're looking at it from a business point of view, it's 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 not it's not such a good thing, I guess. But yeah, so going back to the sort of like social media channels and stuff, do you think that <laughs> we should be expecting another channel to to come through the market? Because if you think of the ones that are existing, you've got Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Snapchat, TikTok. And they seem to be, or they seem to have sort of set the bar. And it doesn't seem like there's any other brands out there that are trying to like poke through the market or, you know, even attempt to get where they are. Where if you look 10 years ago, there was MySpace and obviously Bebo came along. Why do you think there isn't a brand that's come along recently? I just think it's a practicality of like, they've got to, they've got to, they've got to do something more for my life. Like Mm. Facebook pretty much does a lot. Although my personal use of Facebook dwindles considerably, Instagram as 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 kind of is the way to broadcast yourself to many in the world and paint your show reel of your day to the world. Like Instagram's found its place. Um you know there's the, we're really big believers in like platforms like Pinterest, you know, when people are going to discover they're gonna decorate their room, they're gonna find a new haircut. As a marketeer that's a fascinating space to be in linkedin's incredibly powerful linkedin's mm. in a way organic reach like it's nobody's business you know like no other platform doing it um twitter's stayed rested on and twitter's had a for me is a really strong platform because it's just not deviated not tried to be other things and just copy features and do things it, it's found its place in the world and mm. twitter's the place i go when something happens in the world and i want to know what's happening again as a marketeer that's an interesting space to be in that means that you can communicate your tone of voice or you can actually tap into culture real time at any one time because you know that's the place it's going to be. So um, to your question of do I fit maybe, I don't know if yes, but maybe is there going to be another probably like TikTok pretty much came because young people were using it in the form of um, musically and it became like this, it, it was essentially Vine, like long videos and merging that with music music and people found it as an identity found its space and then it was acquired by a chinese company um you know and then rebranded it was the first you know social platform that has penetration in china in the moment mm-hmm. in china and also across western world so yeah tiktok's really fascinating tiktok's actually a client of ours so we do influencer marketing for tiktok nice uh, we promote so uh yeah tiktok's really interesting and um, there probably will be uh, but Facebook will, you know, as a machine, will either acquire them. They own the big three. It's, it's the same. It's the same way when the battles between kind of your Googles, your Microsofts, mm. your Yahoos were taking place. Microsoft made the right acquisitions. Everyone said when they bought YouTube, four billion dollars or a billion dollar, whatever it was, and it was probably one of the best acquisitions in in history of business. Mm. <laughs> 
can generate an ad revenue and such. And Facebook, when they bought Instagram, everyone said the same. When they bought WhatsApp, everyone said the same. All incredible acquisitions. So, mm. you know, uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> to go back to your point about LinkedIn, I've seen a massive change in LinkedIn over the last year. It just, everything's more personal. You know, people are posting pictures of their, their actual daily lives, which some people might not agree should should be on there. But I think there's a definite change going on there. And it, I think people undervalue are undervaluing it. They don't realize the potential of it. Uh, there's, there's so much. It just seems like an awesome platform that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Uh, I, I think there'll there'll be some change. But they were introducing or trying to introduce LinkedIn Live um, stories, weren't they? Yeah, they the, live at the minute now. So what you've got to do is is when you when you're a practitioner on the platform, you're posting stuff, and people shouldn't be too precious about this. So I'm not as active on LinkedIn as I should be. Just and I really want to be. It's not intense. It's usually just time and not investing the time that I really should do. But our yeah. business is doubled down on it. We promote every single employee's building their brands pushing out their thought pieces, you know, um, writing articles, really maximizing uh, LinkedIn as a medium. And I, I think it's interesting to see because LinkedIn never really figured out their commercial ad offering. Like it's mm. not really good if you wanted to use it. It's not very good. But what is good is there, you know, it's still not being it's still not being ruined by brands and agenda and such. It's just people sharing ideas. That's what it's come down to. And as you say, some people are now sharing fluffy ideas and, you know, they've just got engaged and all those types of things. Uh, but actually, there's a lot of meaningful stuff getting shared. I saw something on LinkedIn the other day. Um, it was just interesting. You've seen a lot more inspirational content, interviews, articles, mm. all stuff that just um, yeah, it really benefits you. And I think it's just platforms are winning that benefit you. They're doing well. And I think LinkedIn is one of those platforms that's going under the radar a little bit as a, from a market. If you work in B2B, not as a business profile putting stuff out there, but you're empowering your employees to put pieces out into the world, that should be your number one focus. Mm. Huge, there should be a huge focus. And then that goes to then understanding how to be a content marketer, how to produce things that are right for that platform, mm -hmm. you know, and looking at behaviors. You'll notice anything that you see from a social chain person co comes and hits LinkedIn in a very similar format, you know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not by coincidence. That's no, no. It's how we maximize our reads. And there's a couple of hacks within there. You know, I don't have to share your article. If I comment on your article or your video or your picture, you all my audience will see that I've done that mm. very similar to an early algorithm that was on Facebook whereby commenting just basically migrated my entire audience or whoever's audience through to that post and that's happening on LinkedIn so hence why if you can drive comments and velocity quickly you'll get a lot of reach we've, we've achieved posts organically with no paid spend and I say we Steve's achieved certain posts and such that have reached millions upon millions of people for free. Mm -hmm. I get like, it's, it's actually hard to comprehend when you say it like that. Reached millions and millions of people, influential, hard to reach people for free. <laughs> yeah, it's, cr it's crazy. It, that's it, magic it, of social media for brands. That's what it's always been. Mm. It's like we're in this pay to play world of social media now. And that's still the goal. That's what makes it. That's why PR exists. Yeah, totally, man. It, it It's interesting because it's kind of like 
when I think of social chain in the in in the social media market, I almost compare you guys to Google in the in the web browser market, in that you guys are you're not just helping people run their business and, and do stuff like that, but you're also setting setting the bar in terms of how things should be done. You know, like and it, this might be not such a great example, but as, as a designer, I, I noticed something that happened to the the Google identity around about 10 years ago where they, they cleaned things up and they got rid of the bevel and the drop shadow on the Google logo. And then not long after that, there was brands that started cleaning up their brand. And it's still going on today. You look at Burberry's new logo and, and, and all that. They've lost all, the, mm-hmm. they've lost all the serifs and stuff. And I think uh, Google have sort of you know paved the way for how things should look although there is no right or wrong, I, I think that's kind of like what social chain are, are doing as well. They're not only helping brands, but they're kind of setting the bar for saying, this is how things should be. Like I've seen a bit of a podcast content from uh, one of the women that works with social chain. I can't rem- remember her name, but she, um, I noticed the content was coming out of Square. And that's the first time that I've seen Square podcast content on LinkedIn. And I was just thinking, if that was any other brand, it, it would be landscape. And, you know, you just wouldn't be utilizing as much of that space as possible. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, I don't know. No, no, I agree. And I'm super flattered by, I think there's always ambition to try and do things different and, and mm. question way things are done. And it, it's like, it's really flattering, I think, for everybody in here that um, that comes across because it's something we always, we always try and do. Um, but yeah, I think the Google thing, when you talk about underpinning, you know, the, you would never reference Google, it's funny you say that, as a, as a, like a design leader in the design mm. space. However, every single person or 80% of the world's population see that logo every single day. Mm. I guarantee that has an effect on them and the things they like and what design styles they look. So inherently, it will affect culture just at that scale, you know, mm-hmm. just seeing that. So you're right in saying they paved the way simply, probably not even through intent, just through like they're just a powerhouse. Um, and, and probably what I would say about social chain is we, we, we promote ourselves really well because mm-hmm. we're, we use social media to promote social chain. And like that's what we say we do for brands. So And there's so many social agencies that have no brand cut through I know presence in social media but you know that that's fundamentally flawed because mm-hmm. like how, if you say you can do it except in the world like do it for yourself as well we, we've got a big marketing team for a business of our size we employ a lot of people just solely focus on our own marketing you'll you'll hear Steve reference himself in many respects he acts as a CMO he's really laser focused on vocalizing the social change brand and growing that as an entity mm-hmm. uh, in many respects so yeah we're laser focused on on branding because that's what we do we're, we're a marketing business that's that's what we try and do um but yeah super fat dude thank you for no man no no absolutely uh i've just realized we we skimmed over well no we talked a, a bit about the social me- media uh, social chain media chain cash chain i don't know how much time you've got i'm a bit cautious of how much you've got to spare I don't uh, want to. I, yeah, I've got five minutes, dude. I got five. Awesome. Cool. I was going to. Um, we forgot to talk about nine by sixteen. Uh-huh. So I stupidly, I'm probably showing my age. I clicked on nine by 16's website on a browser on a on a desktop, and it wouldn't work. 
so I had to go on up mobile. Uh, I think it was just super awesome that you know you, you guys have created something specifically for mobile that you can only view on mobile. What is it that Nine by Sixteen hopes to do? Uh, so nine by sixteen is just a uh, nine by sixteen. For it's a format of video. It's vertical video, um, and filming in nine by sixteen and filming in vertical. It, again, it's so many creative people in the industry, exceptional talents, great storytellers. They do the things and they produce the things in the way that they are always done. They're horizontally, sometimes square. They sometimes put me in bars, but. Um, People are viewing stuff on mobiles. So if you're creating an Instagram story, it is going to be in a 916 format. If you put something out on Facebook, uh, on uh, LinkedIn and such, if you put it in vertical, you'll get more real estate as I scroll through. It's simply a practical aspect. And actually, from you don't get wide shots in 916. There's a lot of things that you don't get. So creatively, you have to look at it with a different lens. So we've been doing that for ourselves, for the brands that we work with for a long time. Um, and we thought it was appropriate that we, we, we cater our production house to do such a thing. So we created 916 as a production house that um, ultimately just focuses on social first content and that's its intention. Um, the other things we're doing is like around the office, we're getting all our screens, not horizontal, we're flipping them around so that when we're showcasing our work, it's like how it's going to be seen, but bigger. All these little things are just, it's just the way that you're in the world. We're working on a large campaign for a big brand where we're getting, you know, uh, millions of site hits and traffic driven through activity that we're doing through influencer marketing and social media. And 98% of what we're doing is being viewed on a mobile. Like, mm. it's really <laughs> important that it looks good on a mobile. <laughs> yeah, it's a no brainer. It's, it's never, I think it's a really disruptive time as well for like people who have been videographers for say who've been in the game for 10 years who have always shot 16 by 9 and then all of a sudden mobiles come along and they're like shit how do I shoot, how do I shoot 9 by 16 it's very different yeah you shoot like you don't have the lot you don't have the, the, the wide shots and from say you're doing landscapes like you've got to look at that completely differently when you're capturing your b-roll you're looking for different things your centre point still your centre point but yeah, it's a hugely different thing. Um, and, and, and again, it comes down to probably one of the things that Social Chain has always tried to do is ensure that we can do end-to-end -end delivery. So as our services have evolved, it's that we produce the thing, but we're already the people that are thinking about the distribution. And the traditional agency model of having your creative agency, having your media owner, having your design agency, that's so fragmented, each all with different agendas. Mm. Uh, and the reality is in social media, the creative is the thing that dictates how many people see it. I, I kind of have that. It's not necessarily your budget. Your budget dictates how many people see it, but how many people comment, like, share, do things, interact with it, that also dictates how many people see the thing you produce. So really important that you, the person that is creating the thing is also the person thinking about the distribution, is also thinking about the distribution, not as social as a whole, but social as... What does that look like in Pinterest? How does that look on a mood board? How does that look on an Instagram story? How does that look in you know, Facebook? When Facebook's a discovery platform, I don't go find anything on Facebook. Things find me. That's a very different type of storytelling. Again, mm. Instagram, a very different type of storytelling. Instagram launched a feature two weeks ago now, whereby Instagram t uh, TV, um, you can now post natively in the feed. So for mm. one minute, 
you get a one minute reiteration, which you could never do before. No one was using Instagram TV. No one had figured it out. So Instagram have had to change that to go, you post a, a six minute video and we will post it in your feed as a one minute. Click here to view more. And that changes everything. Mm. But again, um, there's, there's all these platform developments. And unless you're bre- living and breathing all this stuff 24 hours a day all the time, um, it's really hard to navigate. And, uh, and I think that's where there will continue to be a need for more specialist business in, in, in an area that is of interest to any business because time is being spent on social media. It'd probably be frightening if I looked at where my time is being spent on my phone right now although I work in the industry, it's probably terrifying how many hours I spend on social media. Not actually doing stuff for myself, but just like work purposes, but still. Mm. Yeah, but my phone keeps sending me weekly uh, sort of oh, an, o- an overview of like how much screen time I've, I've had. It's, uh, I need to try and find out how to turn that off. <laughs> yeah, but- it- it will it will psychologically just bash you down thinking oh my word this is a problem yeah absolutely man man i tell you what i could genuinely sit here and chat to you all day that's no word of a lie i genuinely could we'll, if, if you're keen we'll have to do it again in the future yeah, uh, I, 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 I would love to do something again man I, i've literally got so many more questions that we didn't get around to just because i was rambling on but but yeah mate that, that'd be ideal definitely stay in touch and, um... no come see us in New York oh know. mate I would love to I would absolutely love to yeah mate thank you so much take it easy have a great have a great day you too my man take care thanks Bye-bye. mate cheers buddy Bye-bye.